There we are. Hey. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> Well, 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 welcome to Between Sundays. I am Tyler, and I am in a trust spiral, everybody. We are talking about math today. Faith plus hope equals trust. I had to take Algebra 2 twice, so the good news is Dave's here because I don't know what math equations we're going to be talking about today. Many. Many. Good. So welcome, Dave. But before we get there, now that they're finished bringing down their fists right upon my faith, <laughs> let's welcome in our favorite mathletes, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day. How you guys I, doing? Uh, struggling with math. I don't love yeah. math. I'm, I, I picked up some new hobbies over the last couple of days. I've been wanting to days involving math. This is how my life is. I'm always <laughs> picking up new hobbies. I, well, that's new for you. I, no, I decided not. that I wanted to start <laughs> yeah. getting into woodworking like yeah. before having a house. Cause I'm just really, really <laughs> needing to be able to make things. So in your apartment, I, I got all the things I need to be able to like set up in the backyard of the apartment and make things <laughs> and then put them away. I got, so, it doesn't matter. What it doesn't matter. So you're going to do word, woodworking now. Yes. Huh? I need to know what kind of things. Well, like the first thing I'm going to make is like a digging platform for Humphrey. So he doesn't like rip up our apartment, but, um, and then I'm going to make like a little house for him and then I'll make other things, but it's just. So a, really this is still your bunny hobby. Well, it's, it helps that, but, but you're it's doing woodworking my, for it. So my ultimate like dream is to be the kind of person that fixes and makes my own things mm-hmm. as much as possible rather than buying new things all the time. I know a guy who has oh. some table legs, but no table top. Yeah. I, <laughs> I great make, line to me- 12 <laughs> loose table legs in my garage. Give me an offer. All right. Look, <laughs> give me a year or two to okay. get the, my skills in order and then we'll make yeah. a table out of those table legs. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I was making stuff, making this like digging platform thingy and I was measuring and I had like 10 and five eighths inches and I had to divide that no. by, nope. you lost by like yeah. eight. And I was like, I don't even know how to begin to <laughs> yeah, do that anymore. That's how bad I am at math now. I, I used said, to be so good at it and now I'm not anymore. I said I took algebra twice. I took it four times. <laughs> That's how bad at math I am. Uh, guys, we have a guest, Marcus. Hello, hello. Welcome, hey, Marcus. Marcus Castile. <clears throat> Yay! Everyone deserves That's yep. nice. Yep. Um, welcome. Welcome Thank to Between you. Sundays. Uh, Marcus is here to talk about green bags and uh, the, the green bag drive that Grace Church is doing. So we're going to get to that in a second. But I want to hear, Marin, what's going on with you? What's new? What's happening? Uh. Wow. Big, full, full weekend. My goodness. Um, Friday was our 16th wedding anniversary. Oh my Uh, goodness. But it was also the last home game of the Fishers high school football season. So the in-laws were in town and... Wait, the last one? Yeah. Last home game. That was quick. Yeah, it did seem... I mean, they're kind of... I think they're just embarking on like the real meat of the uh, competition season. But um, my husband's parents had not been able to see Jaden March, you know, sitting in the stands and seeing him on the field. So they came out um, for the weekend to uh, hang out with the kids. And that was pretty awesome. Cool. Um, So what happens now? Is Jaden done? Like marching bands over? now. Yeah, goodness, no. Okay, no. so we're just starting. Honestly, like the rehearsals are even picking up. Like he has a rehearsal today where normally he has Mondays off, but it's all just for competition. Blech. And they're awesome. And I think I've seen this show because every time that they've marched, they've they've performed their competition show. I've cried every single time. <laughs> I can't make it through the show without crying. Sad mom? No, like totally proud mom. They're doing moved. They're doing- Mom. They're doing soundtracks from really sad movies. Yeah. They actually are. Oh, really? It's West Side Story. Oh. I mean, does it get any sadder than that? No, not the cool part. Oh. What? <laughs> just, They're not doing the that? sad part. No, sad I don't know part. the Somehow, sad part. Somehow, somewhere, there's a place for us. There's a place. That's the one thing, Dave. <laughs> yes. right, can they invite oh. Dave Rodriguez to come uh, oh. perform with them? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it was cool. I mean, we 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 managed to squeeze a little nod to our 16th wedding anniversary in between the football game and the ice cream and the in-laws. Uh, and yeah, so what'd you I do? Know. He bought you popcorn. <laughs> yes. 
No, he didn't Gee, do that. Don't they say the Sierra Blanket? Sixteenth <laughs> anniversary is the is the take your kids to things anniversary. It, it was for yeah. us, for yeah. sure. Well, and actually, I think get excited. If I were to be completely honest, um, I think Jed had planned like something really great for Saturday, mm-hmm. um, which was another reason to have the in laws in town. But he didn't ask my work schedule. Clearly, oh, <laughs> that, that was not going to work. How romantic! So he sat alone with a rose yeah. in the How middle romantic. <laughs> They fixed the lawnmower. That's another great thing that happened this weekend. My father-in-law and my they husband did. while oh, I was great. here. They did. They did. They <laughs> fixed the lawnmower. We went out for sushi. That's how we celebrated our anniversary. Did this we know is your the most random five minutes we've ever had. You're welcome. From yeah. sushi to <laughs> yeah. band. To you're right. It was I'm a feeling. full weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was awesome. Out Loud was on with us this weekend. So. What is Out Loud for anybody who may not know? Okay, so if you missed, across all three campuses, I believe, we had our Out Loud uh, worship team, that's our student-led worship team, um, helping to lead in our main services. So they opened the whole uh, service with two songs, Um, Jeremiah 29.11, just scripture. Mm. That was the song that they opened with, and then a song called Heartbeat after that. And I already got an email from my guitar player uh, over the weekend who said he can't get Jeremiah 2911 out of his head. Well, gosh, he kept saying over and over and over again. (laughs) That was funny that that the song had the lyrics and it included the entire reference of the verse. That was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I was like trying to imagine other verses like Psalm 113, A, B, and C. Oh, my gosh. So do you do out loud when when it's happening? Are you like... I don't. So Kendra Kirby is our director of that ministry of out loud. Mm -hmm. I just kind of got lucky that I was scheduled to be on with the kids. I think you're asking Tyler, does she like dance and do the moves? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering. The answer is yes. I sort of, sort of, I kind of quasi do the moves. I semi do the moves. Um, the first song, the Jeremiah 29, 11 one, I knew from kids camp this summer, um, which was super cool at at the 11 o'clock. A lot of other parents were like doing the moves in their seats. Some even stood up. So Mm. a lot of the parents and parents, um, volunteer as well with their yeah. kids um, in did, Out Loud. You did not do the hand clap under the knee thing. I did do the hand clap, just not every time because I've got to really watch <laughs> that lower back. keeping tabs. <laughs> I think I counted three times. <laughs> I'm sorry if I let you down, Dave. All right, but this I is really going to be... Ask me if I did it. <laughs> this is going to be a promo for Out Loud, even though it's going to sound like I'm complaining. I, oh, dear. Oh. Out Loud is fantastic because they sing songs that matter. Yes, they do. They yeah. sing songs that have a purpose and a point and, and the lyrics make sense. Right. And the kids who, who are in Out Loud often will lead worship for younger children. Which is yes. amazing. Grace kids. Fantastic. Yep. We're empowering yeah. really, the next generation. Really, let's be clear about that because that's why they exist. Right. Yeah. They don't exist to be to come in to the weekend services and make mom and dad proud and and take videos. Yeah. They lead little kids in worship. Yes. That's their purpose. That's yeah. why they exist. So, parents, please send your kids to Out Loud to sing to the younger kids because <laughs> I am in a spiral of children's songs right now that are absolutely terrible at my house. They make no sense. And so I need songs that make some sense to come into my world because Milo likes songs like The Bear Went Over the Mountain. It is all you've talked about for a week now. You're like all worked up about this. I can't stand children's songs that don't make any sense. Have you ever heard The Bear Went Over the Mountain? Would you indulge us? I think you're going to sing it for us right now. How does it go? Did the bear go over the mountain? The bear went over the mountain. (laughs) Why? To see what he could see. (laughs) And all he could see was the other other side side of of the the mountain. mountain. That's it. That's all there is to it. There's no lesson to be learned. There's no point of the lyrics. There's nothing that's going to grow Milo's brain. Isn't that like a really nihilistic song that's like, so therefore don't climb mountains because what's the point? Well, they should say that. There's they a bear should. on the other side. But there's a lot of stuff point. on the other side of the mountain. It's but hard all the to bear put sees. the word nihilistic into a song. <laughs> yeah. I think the point is over. Other. I think the point is 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 teaching. I think it actually does teach on a certain level. Sorry, guys. No. He went, see, he went over he went the over. mountain. He didn't go yeah. in, he, he, he didn't go through. He went Whoa. over. And all he could see <laughs> was the other side, was of, the the other side <laughs> of the mountain. That's it. 
Ma- well, of course, Tyler, mountain rhymes with mountain. If this is a passion <laughs> of yours, as clearly, clearly it is, Out Loud is looking for parent volunteers. Yes. So you, so please. soon as no, Milo uh, well, is of age, right. okay, because what? this matters so much to you. Give us another one. Can, all right. I want you to listen. Because I know you're going to. Yes. I want you to listen to this song and tell me what the point is. Listen to the lyrics closely. Oh, so you may miss it. This is in my house all the time. Yep. And then what happened? Counting. In case you missed it. The mouse ran up the clock, figured yeah. out what time it is, and then he ran down. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Counting. But then say one and then two. Right. And see, you... Can't you write a better song to you, teach counting than having a mouse run up and then down? Why well, is he going up? hello. If you would have sung this song, you'd have been better at math. <laughs> <laughs> Probably true. Point taken. If you think about it, Tyler, you're asking some really existential questions. Like, why does anyone do anything? Why I does assume, the bear climb over a mountain? I assume that's what Milo's asking. To see yeah. what he could see. But at this point, if you were to say, like, the clock struck and you gave him a chance to answer, he would probably just say, ball. Yeah, I know, exactly. And, uh, enough of this, enough. So I was I'm, thankful, I'm thankful for Out Loud. Do you not remember the songs you learned as a kid? Like these. Sesame Street. These are the ones that live forever. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven eight, eight, nine, ten, ten eleven, twelve. Okay. Oh, yeah, that I remember that. That's jam. That's, that's that was different. a groove. That's different <laughs> because the point is to count. There's no point for a mouse being there. There's no point for a clock being there. I bet that song was actually made by the Hickory Dickory Clock Corporation <laughs> as like probably <laughs> early marketing. All right. The best part of Milo learning songs, he's in the like, the, he loves songs now. The best part of him learning these songs is that I sing them now when he goes to bed. And so we'll do like wheels on the bus or whatever. And I used to just, it was just limited to Jesus loves me. <laughs> Marin is shaking her what? head. Because Wheels on the Bus has all the purpose in the world. Right? Or are you That's doing this no, you I'm not, in I'm not in support of Wheels on the Bus, by the way. Uh, I used wow. to, it used to just be Jesus Loves Me. Hopefully and that then, has a purpose for you. Yes, that, okay. perfect. Making sure. But Good, the, call. Good call. And here's what happens. Here's what happens, everybody. I start singing Wheels on the Bus. I start singing Hickory Dickory Dock when he's going to bed. And then I start singing Jesus Loves Me. And now guess what he does? Bus. Ah! Oh, see. Why does he, he, he doesn't, cry? He, will, he doesn't want to hear it because he wants to hear these nonsense songs. He's strung songs. out on that secular music. That's, <laughs> he, that's he, what's he, happening. That, that is what's happening. <laughs> that is exactly yeah. what's wrong with America It doesn't today. matter what that's order it. I put Jesus Loves Me in. As soon as I start the Jesus Loves Me. Well, you know oh, what? He wants to hear wheels on the bus. The that's because he wicked. knows that's the last song. What? Oh, that's oh. why. Yeah, he has already learned that that's the last song and he's upset because he wants you to keep singing. If yeah, you started with I Jesus or or put Jesus loves me lyrics in a different song like like wheels on the bus. You just Jesus sing Jesus loves me this I know this I know this yes, I, know. I know. There you go. And then what do you know? He's getting a deep theological education. No, and- I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out on all that. Wow. All right. That's what's new with me. Well, there it is. <laughs> um, Marcus, I want to get to you. Hey. How are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> all right. So we brought you on here for a very specific and special reason. First of all, I feel like people have seen you and they see you on stage from time to time. They see you in videos. If you volunteer in the care center, obviously people know who you are, but they may not know the true Marcus Castile. So I want to hear all about you. How did you end up at Grace? How did you end up in the role you're in? Um, yeah, you start there. Well, that goes back a long ways. <clears throat> I first came to Grace in January of 01, mm-hmm. and I just gave my life to Christ in December the month before, and I was in search of a home church, and after coming in the very first weekend, I knew this was the place for me. Yeah. And so, just kind of grew my faith while serving in senior high, or merge now. Yep. And I was there. Yeah, you were a high school kid. <laughs> Surprised I stuck around. <laughs> I was there. And then I came on staff in 05, and I've done different roles, started with student ministries, mm-hmm. and then got to work with the... Exec- what was your favorite role ever? Uh, working with the executive team. Specifically. Oh. <laughs> Specifically. Being your executive assistant. Mine. Is that, that's what yeah, you're looking for? It. You I were figured. Dave's executive I was, assistant? I was. Man, and then he couldn't... And he I just, stayed. He booted you. Yep. To the care center. <laughs> yeah. So, and then now I'm doing the care center and enjoying it. So... 
Okay. Yeah, but you know, the story of how you went, yeah, how that you happened is kind of cool, Marcus. When we started, when we started with the day of service, yeah, and that and that kind of the whole thing came. Tell them how that happened. Yeah, I remember getting an email and there were more people to volunteer for the weekend of service and they didn't have enough projects that very first year. Mm -hmm. So they said, well, does anybody have any ideas? And I said, well, why don't you put bags out on people's doorsteps and then go collect them the next week? And we targeted, I think, 1,300 homes that very first year. And we got so much food for other pantries because Grace didn't have a pantry at the time. And we did that for five yeah, years. Four or five years, yeah. Ended up growing to 40,000 homes that we put bags wow. out on and filled nine to 10 semi-trucks in a weekend. And, mm. and well, you were running this? I, well, yeah, yeah, because this is project manager on steroids here. I know. This is the best project manager I've ever worked with. Wow. Yeah, thanks. You know, I love compliments. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but then, yeah. then tell them how that became the care center. Yeah, then we did research to find out how could we respond to the crisis of 07, 08, 09, the things that people were going through. The economy. The economy. And I sat on that research team, I think it was nine to 10 months. And we kind of dreamed about what a care center would look like. And mm. we didn't want to just be giving out relief. We wanted to really help families more mm. sustainably um, in bigger ways. Yeah. So, even from the beginning, yeah. we didn't want just going to hand out a box of food. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's grown into an, a super impressive part of Grace Church, not just impressive, but meaningful, impactful. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of oversee all of that. And so what is your official role within the care center right now? Well, my title is associate pastor of the care center, but I oversee the four main services that we have and our staff that really do a lot of the work. And um, really the volunteers are why it's so impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, yeah, for sure. They get to come in from day one and they have an experience that changes their life and they get to help find their calling and when you get that mixed together, you mm -hmm. can't keep the volunteers away at that point. Yep. Yeah. So. Hey, Tyler, can I ask him a question? Because I think this is the coolest. No, thing. I think I got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, go for it. Barry, can, where's the overcharge? <laughs> yeah. It's on the back of your name. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Still not there? <laughs> no, one of the coolest things is the focus, and this actually takes people by surprise, when uh, they understand, and this is going to sound awful, but our primary focus is not on the people who have needs. Right. Our primary focus is on volunteers. Could you back that up and explain? I think that's the coolest thing. Yeah, and it's something we stumbled upon. Really, we had tons of people that we were turning away. Mm. Um, at that point, we were open Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, and serving 75 families on a Tuesday night and turning away 75 families. Wow. And so mm. we were trying to figure out, how do, what do we do? Is this really what God wants us to do is just serve a few of who's coming to us? And so we said, what, what's more important, the person coming to us or our volunteer experience? And we made the decision to focus on the volunteer experience. And that's really backwards compared to social service organizations. Mm -hmm. Totally. They're focused Feels like on it, yeah. the food, you know, and if you're focused on the food, you're going to get the food out. We could feed lots more people than we feed right now. We could bag it up, box it up, have them mm. stay in their car and we could just load it in the back of their car and yep. tell them we care about you so much. You don't even have to get out of the car. We'll just pray for you in your car and send you on the way. But instead we said, we want to give them an experience. We want to. Um, have the volunteer experience something that's life-changing. And when they connect with God and have that life-changing experience, they're going to love on our friends mm -hmm. in a very different way. Mm. So we want our second priority is the experience our friend has. And so because of that experience, they'll go through and shop and they get the hope and love and dignity given back to them because they see how many people donate all that food and how we care for the food. And we yeah. give them an experience instead of a box of food, they get to actually pick yeah. and choose what they yeah. want. And that just changes the person. Yeah. Mm. And what's going on through all of that is we're building relationships. We get to know the person. They yeah. get to know us. They know how much we care. We get to find out other things that are going on in life. And we can come alongside them. Mm. And the third priority is they will walk out with food or yeah. car repair or something, but that's not our focus. Yeah. So when, when in your life did you realize that you cared so deeply for this injustice, like this part of the broken world? Hmm. I think as I went to Africa and Mississippi and New York and different mission trips, there was a part of it that was being developed to me that why are we not doing this at home? And mm. we even served with um, Shepherd um, with the mission indie teams and stuff. And that still wasn't home. We collected green mm -hmm. bags and sent food. And I'm like, what about everybody right up here? And I think that's when it changed when we started to focus on people right here yeah. um, who were in need. And I would say we fit into the same category. A lot of people don't believe there's a need in Hamilton County. Yeah. And we probably had that same belief mm. um, until we opened the door and we realized what the need was. Mm. 
Well, how would you how would you classify the need? Because I think people still are surprised when they hear sure the, yeah. sti- the statistics about the need. Well, one statistic is there's 29,000 people in Hamilton County who are food insecure. In other words, they don't know where their next meal is going to come for them or for their their loved ones. Yeah, um, that's, so that's that's one, wild. That's that that still surprises me every time I hear it. Yeah, that's nine percent of Hamilton County. And mm-hmm. Hamilton County is one of the richest counties in the country. The rich, mm-hmm. uh, what's yeah. the eighteenth richest county yeah. in the country? Yep. Yeah. Another one is that we have six hundred families every week that we are able to serve, which is a huge number, but we're still turning families away. And so there's more people coming to us mm-hmm. that we're not able to help. And so that expresses the need too mm-hmm. that every week these families are coming because they need food and they need help, and they need hope, and they need dignity. Yeah. So, and we we have plans to expand this to serve yeah. more people. Is that right? To Actually, we're expanding it so the volunteer, we can have more volunteers come and serve and have life change that will in turn change the lives of more people who come in. Can you talk a little bit, share a little bit about uh, the expansion? I know we talked about it in services one weekend, uh, but anybody who may have missed it didn't get to hear that news. Um, can you talk a little bit about what's ahead for the care center? Yeah, when we first opened up the care center, we actually opened it earlier than we were thinking. Um, we said, let's just start. Let's learn from from doing it. So we took two little classrooms on the north end of the building, took the wall down, or took the movable wall down in the middle, and just said, let's open it up and let's learn. Because we didn't even know, would they actually drive all the way over here out in the country, or do we need to be downtown Noblesville or downtown Fishers mm. where the need is? And so we spent time saying, okay, what do we do if this is not you know, the right location? We never spent time saying what happens when they come in such numbers we can't keep <laughs> up. Yeah. And that's really what happened from day one. So more, it was all word of mouth and people just started coming and we're still in those same two little classrooms and yep. sending five to 600 families through those two little classrooms to get food. And so the expansion will actually be an area that is designed and built to actually hold massive numbers of people to come through and not just a classroom where you come in one door and go out the other door. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's cool. And then eventually we're, we're hoping to get a care center in the North part of Indy, right? At the North Indy campus. Yeah. Um, Okay. So you're here specifically to talk about what's happening this month. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? Yeah. October is the month that we call it's the green bag drive. Um, The green bags are donations that our congregation fill full of food and bring back into these nice little reusable green bags. Mm -hmm. We average right around 200 to 275 every week that come in. Um, except for October. October is our month that we really try to hit a huge number to really pack the pantry. A lot of things happen around the holidays. Mm -hmm. um, And so people get really busy, but come January one, you know, that's where we show up and we're still there consistent. So we need to have the food in the pantry ready to go for all those families. There's a lot of organizations who open up and help people in need over November and December. Uh, but come January, it's mm. the ones that are open every week that really get the hit mm-hmm. um, after families have made different decisions over the holidays and it puts them in a stressor point um, or utilities are much higher in the winter mm-hmm. time and yep. they come in time of need. So Okay. So uh, you say you get about 200 a week. Yeah. If my math serves no, me correctly. No. Trouble. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in trouble. Okay. So. You're hoping for 5,000 yeah. in, in the month of October. Yeah, we normally get about 1,300 in a month if that okay. helps you. Yeah, totally. So, thank, you. thank you. Thanks for saving me. <laughs> uh, so what, what do people need to do? Well, there's multiple things. We have green bags at every door location. You can pick them up this weekend. At every campus, right? Every campus. This weekend, we handed out 1,600 of them. Nice. Wow. So if everybody fills those up and brings them back, we have 1,600 of our 5,000. Um, but it can't stop there because they'll need to take more bags. So really for this whole month, if your family can take one, five, 10, or just pick up one every weekend, as you drop it off, pick a new one, yeah. that'd be great. We also have a program where you can find out exactly what we need in mm-hmm. the pantry. And it's called the 12 month green bag program. You can sign up for, for example, our family brings in 15 boxes of cereal every month for the next 12 months. Your and family so, does? Yeah. So it's one of the units you can sign up. And then you bring Man, in cereal's expensive. Bucks. Yeah. We actually go through 250 boxes of cereal every week. That are given every away. Every week that given are given away. Wow. So I, you can kind of put the correlation. Over 1,000 boxes of cereal goes out and we get 1,300 greenbacks. You're asking me to do math again. I, know. I can't do it. I can't <laughs> My do it. sister in Ohio is one of those extreme couponers. Mm-hmm. And really? she comes away with these hauls that she donates to her local food pantry. Mm. So if there's anybody that oh, has yeah. a mind for that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Now yeah. you've set them free. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So you're not just stocking shelves when you give a green bag. Can you no. talk a little bit about when you give a green bag, what happens? 
Yeah, well, I think one thing it does, it's the first step of actually getting involved and starting to impact your community. Yep. Um, for families, it's a family-oriented thing. You can teach your kids, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the grocery bags get filled and we take them home, we put it in the pantry, but why is that bag over there or those bags different yeah. and where do they go? <clears throat> and then to teach your kids to, there's people who are actually go to the same school that they go to who their parents actually shop in our pantry. Mm-hmm. And so you can go even deeper to really make it connect um, with your kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a first step of actually starting to fight that level of injustice. Yep. Yeah. And you said you focused on the volunteer experience. Mm-hmm. You are providing the resources or the food or the items that help somebody else when they're serving mm-hmm. feel like they are contributing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, serve that when they get to serve other people, you are serving that you are preparing them to serve other people as best as they can. Yeah. So you're, you're providing for both the, the volunteer experience and the care center friends experience when yeah. you give one green back. Exactly. And you make it pretty easy, right? You put a slip in there with all the items that you need. Yeah. Some people just take the bag, go to their pantry and they fill it up with things that they already buy. Other people look at the slip and it says, Hey, these are the things that are our biggest need. And then the next level, that person says, I'm going to go online and sign up so they know what I'm actually bringing in. Yeah. And so there's different levels of giving green bags. All right. So, yeah. Uh, friends of the pod. Can we be good for like 500 bags? Can we Can we just say that? Friends of the pod, we're, we're going to do 500 bags. I don't know how we're going to track we gonna, that. Yeah. But how are we going to track that? Raise your just, hand. Uh, Raise your hand. Let us know, I guess. Yeah. We'll take credit for 500 yeah. bags. Yeah. Is that Marcus, yeah. Marcus down. Marcus, Marcus. Oh, Marcus, nice. mark oh, us down. No one has ever thought of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> heard that. Uh, yeah, that, that's awesome. And so, and by the way, like I don't, you're probably going to say, well, we don't recommend this, but. <laughs> gro- that's a good way to start. Groceries can be delivered. Yes. So like you can just do it from your couch. Say we need these items. We're going to yeah. go down the list and. We probably have about 15 to 20 families that just go right onto Amazon or Target or whatever, yeah. and they sign up for their unit, and it gets shipped free directly to right Grace, here, to Grace, to wow. the care center, to me, and we get deliveries every week yeah. of items just like that. That's there you amazing. go. I, I can't believe I know that. that. <laughs> I didn't even thought of that. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah man. And yeah, I did it. I, have you guys ever done the click list at Kroger? I don't know why I haven't. Yeah, you just so last order your year groceries, we did the show green, up, and they're there. Last year, my husband and I did the green bag thing, and we loaded up on, I can't. I think it was a jarred item at Costco. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that bag was heavy. So you're telling me that <laughs> I don't even have to carry the bag? No. no. Man. I remember one lady came in. She actually um, selected sugar. And so the oh. sugar is 10, <laughs> oh, no. 10, bo- or 10 packages of wow. sugar, four pounds. So it's 40 hey, pounds. Amazon Prime, free shipping. green bags. And the other thing you can do is if you find out the item you have is a little heavy, you can actually switch it out for another item. She switched to toilet paper and it changed her world. What? Yeah, from 40 pounds of walking in to- She was still yes. bringing 40 pounds yeah. of toilet paper. Yeah. It just took just a lot Jeez. more. 25 green bags. Man. All right. So you need 5,000 bags. Yes. A lot happens when you give a green bag. We challenge everybody who's already given green bags to give multiple green bags. If you haven't ever given a green bag, don't leave it in your trunk. Because nope. I know that happens a lot. Yes. i probably guilty. But uh, yeah, don't leave it in your trunk. Bring it back. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. All right. Anything else, Marcus? No. Thank you guys so Thanks much. Thanks for coming on. I know wonderful. I know you're a little uh, stage, you got a little stage fright, so yeah. I'm really thankful. I've learned that a you... lot. I've learned how we're going to get 12 legs on a table, so that's well, my favorite part. Hey, it'll, it will be it pristine. Will <laughs> yeah, thanks, Marcus. All right, thanks, guys. All right, we're going to take a little break, and when we get back, we are going to chat about Dave's sermon about the plagues. Woo! And we're back, guys. Green bags, huh? That was a nice break. Yeah. We should nice take break. breaks more often. <laughs> we should? Mm-hmm. Does this wear you out? Just like shifting gears. Yeah, shifting gears. So we're going to shift gears to Dave Rodriguez. You gave a great sermon last weekend. We're still in our Freedom Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked about the plagues. And before you start, I'm just really glad we got to dedicate children on the day we, we talked about plagues. You dedicated you your should, child. You should see what it has ended up in the past. Yeah. The, we, the weekend I talked about human sexuality and oh one time gosh. about like massacres or Who's something. Who's driving this thing? Yeah. You, I, 
I think we we were all a little concerned about the plagues on like out loud weekend and family dedications. But then there were so many scriptures that you read, particularly I'm thinking uh, Exodus chapter 10 about that your children your and children. your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So really the, the, there was an overarching yeah, theme to the whole day sure. about passing it down to the next generation. So Meanwhile, the visitors, though, for everyone. the visitors, their eyes were that emoji <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. like, what is he? What kind of church what is, is this? this? By the yes. way, Milo did well. Oh, being yeah. dedicated. I was there to see I it happen. I was so sad I didn't By get to see it By doing well, person. he lost his mind. Right he before. Did. I saw, I saw <laughs> him like melting down right before and dedications were about this to start. Guy, and I was like, oh, too bad. This guy was an angel <laughs> till about 30 seconds before we went on <laughs> yeah. stage. And as soon as we walked up oh, there, he was just Defcon too. shifty. Yeah. He started whining. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was just like wiggling. Uh, Lauren was holding him. We had to do the whole like, focus on what Ann Stone was saying and we couldn't because he was whining and he was just, he was, he was the child that everybody like finds endearing and it's cute and stuff. But the parents are like, Oh no. Yeah. Uh, and you guys at, at North Indy, you guys were actually the only couple or only family mm. dedicating. So they had you share your story yeah, and whatever live live. So the yeah. whole time Milo's trying to grab the mic out of your yeah. hand. He saw awesome. me hold the microphone. So he grabbed it, tried to eat it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you were yeah. proud. You were proud in that moment. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. I, I kind of don't remember it because I was just focused on him. But yeah, it was cool. Um, so Dave, faith plus hope equals, equals trust. Yeah. What does that mean? For anyone who, who may have missed the service, uh, anyone who hasn't seen it yet, I know that was kind of your big idea, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk about what that means? Yeah, well, if uh, so, based on the definition of this word, so trust is is a is a volitional act. It's a decision I make to act in. Tr- I will trust God. I will get up tomorrow. I will move into my world. Mm. I will face what I have to face. That's an act of trust. Um, it's not going to happen without. And that's a volitional thing. It's not going to happen without a level of faith, which is a primarily a mental thing, intellectual thing, faith in God, coupled mm. with. An emotional thing, which is hope, which you cannot generate your own hope. It's 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 something given to you. So hmm. if you can, if your mind can be established in, okay, this is my this is the habit of my mind regarding God. This is my belief, coupled with the fact that look at that, I've got some hope. Yeah. If you put those two things together, I can get up tomorrow hmm. and I can act in trust. That's the equation. Now that's not original to me. I I learned I learned I have read. Ruthless trust more than any book other than the Bible. Uh, I've probably read it 12 times. And uh, Brennan Manning hammers that that equation through the whole book. Mm-hmm. And so this last time I've been reading, I've been reading it again for the last mm. month off and on. And that equation just slammed me. I thought that. And then I went back. And as I was preparing to preach from Exodus, I thought, well, that's the story of Israel. Hmm. I mean, he was asking them to, to <laughs> God was asking him to do the unthinkable. All of you, a million of you, leave. <laughs> yeah. Leave. Yeah. Now, I know this is a horrible place, but get up and go, and you're going to go to a promised land. What promised land? They've never heard of it. I mean, maybe some sort of lore. Yeah. It required uh, an act of trust. Oh, and by the way, follow this guy, Moses. So they needed faith. They weren't gonna, They weren't going to budge without faith. And I'll show you in two weeks that they weren't going to budge without hope. And he gave he gave that to them in abundance. So there it is. So you kind of set the table and, and said the the plagues that happened in there were ten, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were for Israel. They were for Moses, and they were for Pharaoh specifically. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so you said that God sent these plagues not to terrorize people, but to instill or build the faith, faith that yeah. they need in order to. Trust. Right. Because almost every, I mean, I don't know how many times in about seven chapters there was this phrase, so that you will know that I am the Lord, so that you will mm-hmm. know that I am Lord, so that you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys think that you can have, it sounds like you don't think we can have trust without one of the two. I don't think you could have trust without both of them. That's what I mean. So you have to have both oh, in order to. In other words, if you're missing one of yeah. them. Oh yeah. Well, let's, let's play it out. Okay. Let's say everything's fine. You got all the hope in the world, but you really don't have a sense of belief in who God is. Yeah. Are you going to move in trust? In, you're not going to, obviously, you're not going to move in trust in God. On the other hand, if you, and this is what many people struggle with, we have established the habits of our mind when it comes to belief 
but I'm having a hard time seeing hope anywhere. Yeah. And so I can't move in trust. Mm. Something's got to happen. Something's got to give. Something's got to break. Something's got to go good at least a little bit to, so that I can get out of bed and go at it tomorrow. Mm. I need hope. Mm. Do you think you, if I take a step forward into in the unknown, hoping, well, I guess I just use the word hope, but if I take a step forward into the unknown, do, and, and that is what, get, the results of that is good, and that's what gives me hope, is that, is that trusting? Like, if I have belief in God, and I'm like, um, I'm totally not into this broken world, yeah. but I'm going to keep moving forward anyways. Yeah. yeah. Is that? Well, I think, I think that hope is probably, in many cases, hope that is given to you by other people who have followed God. At some point, yes. I mean, your okay. first step of trust you you have you don't have God's track record of faithfulness in your life, so you have to rely on. Okay, everyone else that's a good around me says that God has come through for them, so I'm gonna I'm gonna mm. give this a shot. Mm-hmm. So my hope is in other people. But then once yeah, you're right. Once you have that first step, you could say, oh, God came through for me. Yeah. I have hope that He'll do it again, mm-hmm. and it yeah. builds trust and trust and trust. So because and, I, I mean, I think back to when we were talking about faith triggers, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but how did those people? first move forward mm-hmm. to look back on the hope, the thing that gives them hope or remember to move forward again. And I think that's what it is. It's like the people around you have, could provide the hope for you. Cause you're saying Dave, that hope is given to you. You can't just muster it. You can't muster it. No. Yeah. Which now, is all. And I, and I will add one other thing too. Uh, hope can also be, and I'm giving away the clue from in two weeks, hope can also be mustered from history can you can you can go you can look at the history of god's work and have hope yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that's what most okay. because you look at the there's no hope and there may be hope in the present like i gave about four or five illustrations you know the numbers come back on your something change oh that gives me hope but also what i'm going to look at in three weeks two weeks you can look back and say okay i remember this i remember this i rem- yes that rekindles my hope. And mm-hmm. and and that we're told to do so. Mm-hmm. We're told to call those things yeah. to mind. Piles call of stone, to mind. I have hope. Mind. Yeah. His compassion never fails. We're supposed to teach our children. Right. Yeah. And and even all of the the rituals and the ceremonies that the Israelites had to remember yeah. ju- all of the mighty acts. Yeah. Everything that he's done. It's all for their remembrance to call to mind this his is, faithfulness. Yeah, and grandparents are so important to this. Right. Older generations are so important. And I, if I could say anything to grandparents and great-grandparents is continue to tell the stories. Mm. Tell the stories Amen. again and again and again. And, and go to your grandparents. Go to your grandma and grandpa and sit, at their, sit and listen to them tell the stories. Mm. Yeah. It's crucial. This is one of the reasons why I am so committed to seeing Grace continue to move in the direction of becoming an intergenerational Mm -hmm. community because um, our culture will always try to glom us together with people our our same age and find ways to like dislike the people who are of a different age. But this is one of the things that makes a faith community strong, not just individuals, but an entire community is when we are able to listen to the voices of those who have Mm -hmm. piles of hope because Mm -hmm. they've seen the, the, the acts of God in their lives over decades. Whereas someone younger, all they have maybe is the intellectual faith. They don't have much from their own life to look back on. They have to look at the lives of other people. Mm. Have you guys seen this equation play out in your own lives all the time? Oh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm okay. So I'm a three on the Enneagram. So history doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay. You mean personal history? Any history doesn't. I yeah. mean, I'm, what do you I'm ex- mean by I'm that? Exagger- I'm exaggerating. Dave's you know, out on history. I'm out on math. No, okay. And the reason why is threes are like, okay, that happened. Now, where are we going? Now, where yeah. are we going? Now, where looking are we going? Looking ahead. I'm yeah. always looking ahead. If we were at A, we're going to get to B. We're going to get to B. I'll get you to B. Let's mm-hmm. go together. We'll get to B. The problem, and, and so I'm always struggling mm-hmm. with hope because I fail to look at the past. Mm. I fail to say, well, God brought me this far yeah yeah he will take me to the next place it is a it is a major character flaw in me Hmm. 
And that's why I'm probably preaching this because I'm the one I'm preaching to. Yeah. You know. Which is it that I don't have? That's not a right question. That's not the right way to ask that question. <laughs> what don't I have if if I'm the kind of person that's like, all right, God, I'm going to trust you with this thing. And then I see like semblances of that thing start to happen. I'm like, all right, I got it now. I'm good. God, we're good. And then I take hold of it. Sounds like patience. Sounds like. Well, yeah. So patience. it's like, it's like I, I, I want to trust God with this thing. I think I do. Yeah. But it, then I start to see it come to fruition and I cling back to it and try to take over control and maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. What am I lacking? Is that faith or hope? That's a great question. And anyway, there's more questions. My knee jerk reaction is probably faith because your mm-hmm. understanding of God is a little bit, it's, it's undeveloped. Yeah. I feel like that happens to me a lot. I would, I would think I, I'm just shooting from the hip here. No, I, I, that happens to me a lot where like I'm moving and I feel good and I'm um, trusting God or I think I'm trusting God, but then I either see it start to not go the way I want it to. Yeah. That's what when it happens the most. And so when I see it not go the way I want it to, I try to take retake control of that thing mm-hmm. Well, instead I, of trust, so here's, fully trusting. I think what's missing, if we're going to use the equation, is something that we're already not putting in the equation, but is implicit, which is faith in God, in God's goodness, right. plus hope in God's potential to deliver this is equals, algebra now equals trust <laughs> in God's provision. Like, so without right. what we're doing is what you're doing is in those circumstances is changing the equation to faith in myself plus hope mm. that I've got the capacity to make this happen equals trust in my own abilities. Yeah. Exactly. So you're just, and you're I just even, using a different equation. Yeah. Right? And I even said that in the message, I, in the, I think in one of the notes, I even had a parenthesis I put in God or it yeah. was, it's not, it's not just faith plus hope plus it's faith in God plus hope in God equals yeah. trust in God. Mm. Yeah. And then, um, so at one point, if you guys have questions, by the way, jump in I've got like <laughs> seven. All right. So at one point you say, um, you said this is for Moses, Israel and Pharaoh. And at one point, zero of them had faith or zero of, yeah, zero of them had faith. Right. So God had to, um, would you say bring his fist down? Well, he said he, it was his words through, yeah. through Moses. And now I'm, what did he say? I'm going to bring my fist down or I'm going to something about the, I'd have to look at the Bring his fist again. down on them to build their, to right. build their faith. Right. And so my question was, why has it got to be like that? Why not just uh, yeah, why not like, fireworks? <laughs> well, like, yeah, man, how, I don't know. And that's true. I think that's true because when, when I'm at my worst, I mean, I've talked about this on the pod when I'm at my worst, that is when I'm crying out to God. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I think in the I think, form of plagues. Well, in this story, there's, there's other factors that we have to remember when we're thinking about the Exodus story. We have to remember that this is in a time when there are a plethora of gods. And, and I think you that mentioned means this. a lot. There's a lot of gods and, <laughs> and like the Israelites were not monotheistic at this point. I mean, mm. that's definitely debatable. There's a lot of people who debate on right. that, but that the strict monotheism that we imagine when we think of there's only one God that took centuries to develop in their thought. This was for the <clears throat> Israelites and for the Egyptians. These were acts that were meant to show the power of a God that was right. still unknown. And, and here's one, one thing when we're reading this story. It's, it says the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. What it really says is Yahweh, mm-hmm. Yahweh, Yahweh, which it, there's a whole, whole conversation about what exactly Yahweh means. But my personal way of looking at it is to just think that the name is just is like, mm-hmm. it's not a perfect translation, but that's. Yeah. Like to, I am, I am, right, I, I am, am, yeah. I am is what he says to Moses. And then Moses calls him, he is essentially, mm-hmm. or is. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like. They're saying, well, yeah, the sun and there's the lizard God and there's this God. And, and he's like, no, mm, is, no, is <laughs> just well, and like, is, <laughs> is doing this. And so yeah. these are things that have to establish the fact that there's this unknown God to that, to everybody who has power that is matchless. And so mm. the first three plagues are matched. The, the Egyptian magicians can do the things oh. that, that Yahweh is capable of. And then the fourth plague. Fourth one, they can't match. The what fifth was the fourth one, one, they can't match. Uh, flies. Was flies. It? 
Yeah, uh, and, that's, okay. and the fourth one's where God said, and not only am I going to bring lots of flies, but I'm going to with, withhold them from mm-hmm. Goshen, mm-hmm. the land where the Israelites where the were. Israelites lived. So, and the, the fact is, we can look at that. I, I find it fascinating that somebody thinks, well, I think it was a red tide, which led to the death of the frogs or fish, which led to the rise of anthrax, which the frogs had, and then the gnats had, and the anthrax is what got yeah. the livestock, and that's why they did. That's That would have been no one no one would have even considered that right. at all because back then something of that scope and scale someone would have said what god did this right and how would yeah. moses have had the ability to foretell those things then right. if it were only right. natural occurrences right. he he spoke of them right. ahead of time so they it, were spectacular yeah. in scope and scale yeah. and, and and so they had to face what god did this and is did it yeah and the, yeah <laughs> and the other thing that makes this really hard for us as modern american Western people to grapple with is an idea because we are so individualistic. We think some poor Egyptian person who did nothing wrong got boils and they had nothing to do with enslaving. Yeah. You know, they're just going about their business. That's not fair. How could God do that? And that is absolutely a question worth discussing. But I also think it's really important to remember that this culture, both cultures, were very collectivist and the a whole people could mm-hmm. be saved. A whole people could be punished. A whole yeah. people was responsible in some ways by the actions of their leaders. And so in some ways, even though this doesn't make sense to us because God was doing it, you could say in the story, in the narrative, in this culture, <clears throat> that Pharaoh in some ways was bringing this about on his people because mm-hmm. of his hard heart. Mm-hmm. Right. So that that's not to say that therefore it's totally cool to just send, you know, meteors on people and plagues. <laughs> but like in that culture, it made a little, I think it would have made a little bit more sense that of course the Egyptians had to suffer because their leader wouldn't relent. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. But then that brings us to the other major mm-hmm. question, which is, did God make the leader not relent? Did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Which the which, story says yes which, and, and no. which I I have I finally came to a comfort level that made me realize yes he did. I believe, I believe God hardened his heart completely on purpose. It does say that God hardened Pharaoh's yeah. heart. And I believe, It also says that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. I looked it up they're mm-hmm. they're alternating yes. verses. It's yeah. like one they're both happening. Mm. And I think both are probably true and yeah. the reason why God hardened his heart is because he would have hardened his heart anyway and it was the way and my point was that it drew Pharaoh further closer and closer and closer to God. But God knew his heart enough and I don't how God works with the human decision-making process is the craziest thing that I think we'll never understand. But he looked at Pharaoh and realized, unless I harden his heart, this faith that is developing him in him is going to fritter away, hmm. which it did eventually, but God hardens his heart. So he has to delve deeper into God and he hardens his heart. So he has to delve deeper into God. And I think the evidence of the scripture is pretty clear that his faith grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. Yeah. You said that was controversial. Is con- well, it's Why con- is that controversial? Um, what's controversial about it is I, I believe, I now believe ultimately that God was seeking to convert Pharaoh and the Egyptians to expand the people of God that would have been Israel and Egypt and then the world would have, that's what I believe, that that, that would have been the ultimate great out- outcome of this whole thing. Hmm. Yeah. And that's controversial that because is. Pharaoh is like the ultimate bad guy in the Bible. Oh, okay. yeah, he is. I think that's, so- that's what I struggled with personally is where the word judgment fits in mm-hmm. to that description. Um, even in, I think it's Exodus chapter four. This is before Moses ever gets back to Egypt. He's leaving Midian. He and his wife, they're going back to Egypt. Um, God says, everyone who was seeking to kill you is dead. So mm-hmm. it's safe for you to go back. Um, and he says, then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me, but you refuse to let him go. So I will kill your firstborn son. And that's before he ever even gets back. So there is this, this notion of judgment. Again, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. judgment. Mm-hmm. And so I, I believe the plagues were definitely to build the faith of the Israelites and, and were to do so over the course of their entire stretch in the wilderness. And remember what he did in Egypt. Remember how he brought you out of Egypt, but Pharaoh was a merciless dude Mm -hmm. and judgment came upon 
this merciless guy. I, I looked at James, um, the second chapter, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. He didn't show mercy to God's people and he was judged. Mm-hmm. Is judgment punishment or is judgment uh, a means to an end? Is judgment an end or a means to an end? Good question. Both. Marin. I'm going to say both. I don't know. I'm going to say both. There are there are examples throughout scripture of people who were just judged and that was the end of the line for them. Mm-hmm. And then there are other examples and I loved this one. This one really helped me. I, I felt like this sermon made me dive into the deep end of a pool to see if I could touch the bottom. You know, it mm-hmm. was just a deep plunge for me. Um, Tell us all about it. What happened? I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that I loved the most over the last 24 hours or so, just diving into the scripture. Um, I was trying to think of other examples. Like you said, is judgment a mercy or is judgment mercy, yeah. or is judgment just an end of it, in and of itself? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to find that who else has God hardened? Does God still harden? That was another question mm-hmm. that you asked. Yeah. I mean, it was, these were tough concepts to have to face and grapple with. And it led me to Ezekiel, um, Ezekiel 36 and Ezekiel chapter 11, twice in, in this book, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So that just gave me so much hope and so much peace right then and there that even if my loved one has a hard heart, even if I have a hard heart, what this scripture tells me is that God is still in the business of softening hardened hearts, of replacing hardened hearts, that it's not too late. If you if you have a hardened heart or if your loved one has a hardened heart, keep praying for God to Absolutely. soften that heart. It's not too late. It's mm. not just a done deal. Absolutely. And, and the umbrella, I mean, the theological umbrella over everything is that God is not willing that anyone would perish. Mm-hmm. Right. We believe that with all our hearts. God is not willing that anyone would perish. And so I back, that is the backfill of all the confusion to me. Um, hmm. He's not, he didn't want Pharaoh to perish. He didn't. Now, did he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. But I think God was going to great ends to save him. Hmm. But ultimately, it's Pharaoh's choice. It's our loved one's choice. It's, we are, we are, Every single one of us is a is a um, is a free agent. We are a spiritual free agent. We get to choose. Pharaoh gets to choose. And I think sometimes God has mercy on people, and sometimes is he has severe mercy, and sometimes His judgment looks like a fist. And well, you, can you can you break severe mercy down? I don't know that I completely understood. Mercy what that means. mercy is is um, uh, mercy is God not wanting anyone to. To perish, it's okay. a merciful God. We do we we all deserve to perish. Hmm. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Right? None of us none of us deserve to live on our own merits. We can't do it. So the merciful God said, "I will provide a way." Um, and we know that's through Jesus, ultimately through Jesus. But the severe mercy is what it takes sometimes for God's oh, okay. mercy to be delivered to us it sometimes comes in a severe way it comes in a severe package sometimes it feels like a fist yeah sometimes it feels like a feather and sometimes it feels like a fist sometimes it feels like hope sometimes it feels like judgment the greatest mercy in the history of mankind is Christ's death on the cross and is there anything more violent than that no and and not just the violence of the cross but the violence of allowing Satan to extend his hand up through the earth, so to speak, to grab Jesus and pull him down to the depths of hell. And Jesus went down there and walked out victorious. It's an extraordinary severe mercy. So one of the the things I'll be talking about in a few weeks, I, I'm going to be looking at Exodus 15, where I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. I'm, I'm going to be talking about the song that the Israelites sang after coming through the Red Sea, the song of deliverance, the song of the sea, however you want to call it. And one of the, <clears throat> one of the poetic themes that I'm going to be pulling out of that song, of that song is the fact that, um, there is a pretty clear indication in, in the way that they portray Pharaoh and his armies that in some ways they have become so 
monstrously evil that they are in some ways they are they've aligned themselves with the forces of chaos and against the forces of god so completely that being covered by the uh, by the sea is almost a symbolic way of acknowledging that they have become one with chaos which the sea represents so whoa yeah so in some sense it's like and even the way that they, well, I don't want to give any, I'll, we'll talk about it in a few weeks, but basically the, the language of the poem makes it really clear that it's like, even after 10 opportunities to repent and actually Pharaoh does after the 10th one, he says, okay, go. He does change his mind. He does relent and does let them leave. And then he changes his mind again. again. And at that point, after even losing his own son, Pharaoh is willing to continue to push back and fight back against Yahweh and pursue him. And in some sense, like, even he's he's throwing himself into his own destruction in a sense poetically that doesn't i know that doesn't answer like cause and effect questions with god but but poetically in the in the hebrew mind pharaoh had so fully solidified himself as opposed to god that in some ways the judgment that he received was judgment he brought about upon himself right. which mm. is it, it gets really complicated and it gets really really theologically touchy when you start getting into that idea but to me it gives me hope because those who are destroyed in that poem, in that story, those who are destroyed by the sea are those who have become so monstrous that they are no longer recognizably human. And I know a lot of people who are still recognizably human, even though they are broken. So mm. to, to try to say, oh, I'm not good enough for God. I'm, I'm too sinful, or I know somebody who's a real mess, or I really don't like that person. That is a far cry from someone who is so monstrous that they have exiled themselves from God. Hmm. But well, and I that's, bet, that's yeah. the good news of salvation. Yeah. A another scripture I came across, um, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I can't hear stories of Pharaoh without thinking about Romans nine. So I, I had to go read Romans nine again. And, um, one of the things that really gave me hope from this passage of scripture was Paul says, what if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy? Mm. I love that phrase, the mm -hmm. objects of his mercy, mm. whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, that's me and you, even us whom he also called not only from Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As mm -hmm. he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people. And I will call her my loved one who is not, not my, my loved, loved one. one. Yep. That's awesome. Cause that's me. That's what made it possible <laughs> for all of us to be sitting here talking about this, that he's, he's grafted us in. Yeah. Hmm. The one passage scripture that nailed me more than anything else I read was the one. Okay. And I, I should have brought my notes. Uh, chapter 10 where God says, look, I could have sent a plague to wipe mm -hmm. you out so that you and oh, your yeah. people do not would not even exist anymore. We all know that. If he can send those plagues, he can if he can send to kill the firstborn, he can kill them all. But he didn't. He said, I did it this way, in essence, to give you chance after chance after chance yeah. after chance so that you would know me. Of course he could have wiped them all out. One fell swoop and he decided not to do that. And that's what he does with us too. I'm not going to wipe you out. You, but you will always retain your right to choose against me. Yeah. I'm never going to take away your moral free agency. But I'm also never going to allow the people that I love, my children, to be crushed under the heels of injustice. That's not, I would never allow that yeah. to happen. Yeah, and, and by the way, and the Not, way we're going to handle that is by my people responding in my name to heal the injustice. Right. And when I say my people, I I mean collectively. Yeah. Individuals will suffer. There were the 400 years. We talked about that. Mm. And yet God will be faithful to his promise to bring his yeah. people through. That's a really important distinction. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Because there are so many people under the heels of injustice right now. And yet. They're dying even as we talk. But But for them, the truth is that the same God who rescued the Israelites is concerned about their suffering and wants to, wants to stay with them and wants to see them through. Yeah. There are people I know who believe 
Pharaoh had it coming. I think that's kind of what. I just said that. That was me. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's that's what you say. (laughs) That's what you said. And it's like, I want to believe in a God who's going to wipe the Pharaohs out. That's what they, that's what they think. Liberation theology. Yeah. 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 People who are oppressed don't, they they want, they want want Pharaoh to get mercy. They want a a victor who will come with a sword, Mm -hmm. who will Mm -hmm. smite their enemies, who will set them free. Yeah. And so is that why it's controversial to, to, because we're, we're empathizing. We're giving this person humanity. Well, the fact is he did not kill Pharaoh. Right. He killed all his troops. <laughs> right. Killed his firstborn son. Killed his firstborn son, but he didn't kill Pharaoh. Hmm. He didn't get wiped out. But in the animated version, <laughs> I believe Pharaoh was at the head of his troops. <laughs> Another important <laughs> distinction. Thank you. Yeah. So is that what, Disney? Who made that movie? I don't know. Wasn't oh, DreamWorks? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, one of the things I'm going to talk about in the poem, which if you're like me, Every growing up reading the Bible, you always skipped over Exodus 15 because it's like a poem about stuff you just read about. So why am I going to read this? <laughs> but now I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Poetry. Yeah. That is so honest. I mean, <laughs> I read this. I yeah, just read this. I just read about this. And I was like, murmur, murmur. So, but like verse three of Exodus 15, the Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. The Lord is a warrior. Yeah. So we're going to have to talk about the fact that God is a warrior. Mm. What do you do with that? Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to preach You're about that. You're doing that one? Yes. You're talking about yes, that I one? I am. It right, would have good. been a heck of a lot easier theologically if God would have just wiped out Egypt. Yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, it would have had heck of a lot easier if he would have not allowed the people of God to go into slavery in the first place. Yeah. As a matter of fact, mm. it would have been a heck of a lot easier if Abraham and Isaac and Jacob just had would have superpowers. had superpowers. As a matter of fact, it would have been a heck of a lot easier. Let's just go all back to the beginning. If there wasn't that stupid choice that people could make <laughs> yeah. to sin against God, it would have been a heck of a lot of, mm. it would have been a heck of a lot easier if God wouldn't have made people. Oh. Looky there. Mike drop. Oh my goodness. See, that's the, it, the, the, the point is, is that we, there's no way to justify any of this and come down on one side or the other this is a, what do we say around here? A tension we have to manage. Mm-hmm. This is, we do say that a lot. We say that a lot. You know, we have to lean into it, dig down in, into it. We have to, what are, we're all yeah, the phrases. Lean into it. We have to lean into it. You know, I, it is a tension, theological tension we have to manage. Yeah. And it is uncomfortable. It is discomforting and all that. But God is not willing that anyone would perish. That's what I go to sleep on. Mm. I loved it. I thought it was a great service, and I was only half joking about it being great that Milo was getting dedicated on on that <laughs> on that same Sunday. But I thought um, that was the first time, and I didn't know that he was even, even controversial. But that was the first time I'd even heard this angle of like this is this was to develop faith, not to punish. Mm-hmm. And I think that in and of itself was a new revelation mm-hmm. for me. So I thought it was awesome. I think it's controversial because entire factions of Christianity are built around did God or did God not harden Pharaoh's heart? Is Pharaoh a vessel of wrath? You know, I mean, and you can just go around and around and around and around Mm -hmm. and, and dare I say, waste a lot of precious time, you know, arguing things like this. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree, Dave, it's his will that none should perish. I love when I see it echoed in scripture that, hey, even that heart of stone that you currently possess, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll replace that with a heart of flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, that God's end game is always redemption. That's, uh, that's life giving and that's, that's hope. And that's, that's what I go to sleep with um, and where I want to, that's where I want to set up camp. I don't want to get bogged down in the weeds of, you know, what divides us theologically I always want to come back to the hope that draws us together to the reason we're we're here to begin with, um, to that, that great commission, that mission to go into all the world and make disciples. Hmm. All right, let's do it. All right. <laughs> Telling on you, it, this, on one, this was this was a tough one. Yeah. Sounds like it. You wanna talk it out? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Barry, where are we going from here? What's next, happening? Next week, uh, Tim is going to blow our minds. 
Yeah, that's what I heard. And oh, uh, he's got I actually know what he's, yeah, yeah. Big know what he's going to say, and it's pretty cool. It's it pretty cool. It'll get us. I hadn't heard before. We will have something to talk about on the pot. All right. <laughs> I don't Can't think wait. Tim will have anything to say about it. No, wait. Yeah, seriously. We'll have we... everything to say about it. A uh, couple housekeeping things. We're moving to Tuesdays to record uh, yeah. Is that between now? Sundays yes. starting next week. So between Sundays will be released and published on Wednesdays now from, from now on, um, unless we tell you otherwise. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so look for us then. Um, there was something else I needed to say, but I can't remember what it is now. So sorry. Um, but yeah, look for that. And next week, Tim's coming on. We've got... Lori Seiler, the choreographer yes! of Mary Poppins, is going to be here. Awesome. And she's going to talk. She's going to have Marin dance for us on <laughs> Facebook Live. Uh, hopefully. Fingers no, crossed. There's not enough room in, in this little <laughs> space. Can't believe she has time to do the pot. It sounds like she, her hands are really full. Yeah. yeah. But it's she's a lot coming. Of choreography. Is that Lori? Yep. Yeah. Boy, she's, she, she makes things happen. Oh, yes, she oh, yeah. does. Yeah, I can't wait. That's Can't awesome. wait to talk to her about that. Yeah. First time I ever met Lori, she was screaming windows and doors in my face. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know what that means yeah. now. It's like, look for your window, look for your door when you're looking out on stage. And I was when, like, I don't know what this is. And when Tyler was in Les Mis is what he's referring yep. to. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> She'll explain it. So we'll week. talk about that next week. Uh, but until then, Marin, will you please do us the honors and send us out? I will. I will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we will see you on the other side of Sunday. <laughs>